Let's study the scriptures together, everybody. Um, we are continuing a series that we kind of kicked off last week, and we're calling it Just One. And the idea behind this, this series of messages is for you to think with me, what would happen if I actually partnered with God, with the Holy Spirit, to reach out and actually lead one person towards Jesus over the course of these next three months, six months, a year? What would that actually look like? What would that take for me to be a part of that, to literally allow that to happen in and with and through me? Now, last week, we talked about, we talked about Luke 15. If you were here, uh, we talked about Luke chapter 15 and kind of set up the theological framework for it and how God looks and views looks at and views individuals and how important they are and how much the Father loves them so much that he recklessly pursues them. And so if you missed that message, it really is a part of this series. I want you to go back on the podcast. Just go to whatever podcast app you like. Go to, uh, go to One Chapel Kyle and just pick that up. And you can subscribe to it if you want and just keep getting messages. But I want you to hear that because it really sets us up for where we're headed. But I don't know if you've ever had these kinds of experiences where you're kind of forced and required to go out and do Like if you grew up in church and you grew up in a youth group, you probably had the moment where a youth pastor made you go out and do this kind of stuff. Right? Are you with me? Like, I, I grew up that way. My friend Bob and I, um, in high school, probably around freshman, sophomore year, we, <laughs> we happened upon these new tracks. And if you don't know what a tract is, a tract is a little piece of paper, a little brochure that you hand somebody to tell them about Jesus. And um, depending on how you use those, they can or cannot be effective. Well, in the 90s, there was, uh, there was a one that came out, and it looked like a $20 bill. Looked like a folded $20 bill. And so you would hand it to somebody and talk them about value, and then they'd think, oh, I'm getting 20 bucks. And then, of course, it was a tract, and they hated you. Not effective. And so uh, we found some of those. And so we were outside the church one night. I don't know what we were doing there. It was, there was nobody else around. Uh, there was surely mischief involved. But we, uh, we found one of those, and we're like, sweet. So we ran across the street. It was a busy street that the church was on, and we put those on the ground, and we ran and hid in the trees and watched people walk by. And so people would walk by, and they'd go, oh, and they'd pick it up, and they'd be like, yes, all right. Oh, and they'd throw it on the ground and be super mad. We did a lot of damage to the kingdom of God that day. <laughs> I'm not proud of that moment. Or our youth pastor, he sent us out uh, one Wednesday night and said, hey, we're going to go out to the neighborhoods around the church. We're going to go door to door. And I want you to go to door to door, and I want you to witness. And I want you to walk up to them, and I pound on the door and say, hey, we're from College Park Christian Assembly, and we believe that prayer moves the hand of God. Can we pray for you? And so we go out, two or three of us at a time, and, and I remember my first door, and I was so nervous. And I was just sweating and shaking, and I just didn't want to do it. And I reached up, and I knocked on the door. It was soft because I was scared. And in my prepubescent voice, the guy opened up the door and I said, Hello, we believe the prayer moves the hand of God. Can we pray for you? And he said, Bam! And he shut the door in my face, like just slammed it. I was totally taken aback. I don't think I did it again. It just scared the mess out of me. Isn't that mean? He's so mean. I was a cute little scrawny kid. Have you ever had this kind of experience, though? You're sent out, and you, you, don't, you don't know. You don't know how to do it. You don't know if you should do it. And if you should do it, how does it work? I think a lot of us find ourselves in this position today. And when I start talking about this idea, it makes you uncomfortable, some of you. Some of you get a little anxious when we start talking about this. The pressure in the room starts to rise a little bit. 
because you start to have these ideas of what it's like, and you picture things like I just outlined for you. You picture tracks, and you picture door-to-door witnessing, and it may have its place. I think it's difficult. But you probably think, look, man, Brent, I love Jesus, and I think, it's, I think he's great, and I'm going to serve him with all my life, but, but you don't really want me out there, bro. Like, I'd rather just kind of be here and worship, because if we get in a conversation with somebody, and what if, what if they know more than I, what if, what if they explain their thing better than I can explain our thing? And what if that does, I mean, I'll lose. I will lose out there if you send me out there. We want to work on that just a little bit. There is a stat that we ran across, and it's an older stat, but it said that 95% of American Christians have never led anybody to Jesus. 95%. Now, I don't know, about if, I don't know if you realize this, but that's a big number. <laughs> and we want to try to chip away at that a little bit with our church here in One Chapel, Kyle. You talk about evangelism, what comes to mind for you? Honestly, like, just think about it. What comes to mind when I say the word evangelism? Oh, I love that. That's a good example. Some of you probably think of, uh, you know, just a, a guy in a white suit and white shoes. <laughs> like, I don't even know what's going on there. Some of you may think about a guy on a street corner wearing a sign and a bullhorn and screaming at people and yelling at people. Some of you may think about people that are boisterous and loud and kind of mean. Um, some of you think about people that say, well, uh, you better turn or burn because you're going to hail. Right, you're not, even, not even one syllable. Like It's so serious that it requires two syllables. You're going to hell. Like, you know they mean business when it comes out like that. But I bet, I, bet, I understand that some of us think that, but I bet if you kind of went back and you think about the person that was most responsible for causing you to come and follow Jesus, I bet they weren't like that at all. I bet they were kind. I bet they were prayerful. I bet they were respectful and honorable. I bet that you had a, some kind of relationship with them, most of you. I think they're probably the kind of person that Jesus was asking his disciples and us to be. You find it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Thank you for that detail, Matthew. We couldn't have figured that out on our own. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you. Now, if you haven't been in church for a long time, you might wonder what that says. Most of you have probably been in church for quite some time, so you know what's coming next. But, but what if you didn't? What would you think that Jesus was going to say there? Hey, if you follow me, I will make you more disciplined. Hey, follow me, and I will make you just a, a better Christian. Follow me, and I will make you uh, read the Bible more than you're doing right now, because you're doing a really bad job of that. Follow me and I will make you a better husband or a better wife or a better son or daughter. But those things, they're not primarily the things that he wanted his followers to do. Yeah, they're important, but they weren't the primary thing because the answer is kind of surprising. He says, continuing on, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So you're thinking, okay, what are you up to, Parsley? What's going on here? Uh, It is a strategic thing that we're up to. We're kind of entering this season where people are going back to school. We're entering the season where people are kind of re-upping and making decisions about who they're going to be coming into the fall and reorganizing and reprioritizing their lives, and I think it's important. We're about to, on the 27th, we're about to launch into our Seek First Prayer Week, and we're going to gather together at the Halfus at 6.30 every weekday morning, and we're going to pray that God would move in our community and move here in our church. In September, we've got a series on relationships that's coming up, and it's prime example, it's prime time for you to invite somebody, because everybody needs help with relationships, yeah? 
Yeah, everybody needs help. And relationships are just a lot of fun to talk about. And then we've got the legacy thing coming back in October. And in November, we're going to have feature presentation one more time. So the, the kind of at the movies series, we'll be doing that. And we're just kind of looking for ways to say, I love my church. I love being here. I love what my church is doing in our region. And the reason why I'm doing all this and pushing all this is because I want you to experience what we're talking about here. Because those who follow Jesus, they fish. <laughs> Followers fish. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says, come follow me, come get close to me, and I will make you into a fisherman or a fisherwoman. Equal opportunity. You're welcome. I, follow me, and I will make you. Followers, fish. And listen, everybody, this is one of the best experiences that you can have in the Christian life. This is one of the greatest things that you can experience as you follow Jesus. Seeing somebody else's eternal destiny and life changed and shaped forever because you were the one to invest in them and help lead them to Jesus. I don't know if there's anything that's really better than that that we get to experience here on the earth. It's absolutely amazing. So these three weeks that we're in are kind of important and foundational, and I want to ask you to be a part of it. Go back and pick up last Sundays if you missed it. Be here today. Good job. Come back tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow. Let's get it done fast. Come back next Sunday. Come back next Sunday and let's talk this through. Because I want the next two weeks to kind of be practical. I want to I help you figure this out because followers fish. Everybody say followers fish. It was a little monotone, but it's good. We'll work on it. There's a word that keeps popping up, though, in the scriptures about this, and we read it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Proverbs 11.30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So that's what your life should be like, a tree, strong, rooted, bearing fruit. And he who wins souls is wise. That word pops up again in Colossians 4, 5 through 6. It says, be wise. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He's saying, hey, everybody, you need to be wise. You need to think about how you approach this. You need to make some preparations. And be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Don't get into fights. Don't get into condemnation. Don't post really mean things on hate book. I mean Facebook. Don't. Don't do those things. There's no need to draw sides. There's no us versus them. He's saying, think about this and let your conversation as you talk to people, let it, let it taste good. Put some salt on it. Like, let it be seasoned so that you may know how to answer everybody. Okay, that sounds good. How, how do we do that? Today, we just want to talk about some wisdom for going fishing. <laughs> some wisdom for going fishing because fishing does take wisdom. If you've ever been fishing before, you know you can't just do whatever you want. You can't just go and get in the boat and rock the boat and make noises and scream to, hey, fishy! It doesn't work that way. That won't work. You gotta have the right lures. You gotta go at the right time. Like there's things that you have to do. You have to be wise. In the same way, we wanna be wise. Timing matters. You gotta approach the right way. All these things are important as we kind of figure this out. So let me see if I can just kind of give you a, a few things as an overview to help you start moving forward. Because I think there's three areas that we need to be wise as we go fishing. And the first is we need to be wise in our moments. We need to be wise in our moments. It's amazing to me because as you look around the world, you can see that God is at work all over. Seven billion people on the planet. And God is at work every day making intersections with those people. 
God, you may not realize this, but God is orchestrating intersections between all those seven billion people to accomplish his purposes. It's amazing. He's working on intersections with you and people that you come into contact with. All of us together. And he'll create what, what we used to call back in the day, in the, it's kind of a, a churchy way to say it, but we'll say divine appointments. And he'll set up divine appointments or God intersections in your life and other people's lives. Not every intersection that you have is random. Some of them really matter and some of them are God ordained. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. God's involved in the things that you're doing day to day. Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. Like you thought you had a bunch of stuff planned out for tomorrow. You got a bunch of appointments that you're supposed to do, but you didn't quite realize the Lord establishes the steps. The Lord is involved day to day in the things that you're doing. He's with you. And if you'll just start to be aware of it, if you'll just start to pay attention, if you'll just start to look for those opportunities, you'll see him. You'll notice it. So we got to be watching. we got to be wise. And as you're going through the day, you say, God, is this one of them? God, are you doing it? Is this it? Is this guy it? Is this girl it? Is this it? Pay attention. But what does that look like practically? Well, just a few things. I think, one, we need to be more intentional in every relationship. More intentional in every relationship. Not just the ones that you like. Not just with your cute little kids and that coworker who's your best friend. BFF forever. Not just those people but that coworker that you don't love as much as your BFF. <laughs> oh, I'm watching. <laughs> you watch yourself. <laughs> Why'd you moan at that? I love Johnny. I was agreeing with him. <laughs> like, like, just pay, pay attention. Uh, just, just be intentional in every relationship. What would happen if we just started doing that? What if when you walked into work, you were just kind of on your guard a little bit? What if today when you went to lunch, you just were a little more intentional about what you, what you did and where you went or, or at dinner tonight or, or whatever? What, what, if, what if you were just looking and, and, and being intentional and God just brings you about the right place with that server that just that needs something right at that moment and you sitting there with your big tip because you follow Jesus and go to one chapel, Kyle, and so you tip good and you, and you show up, you show up there and you have exactly what she needs because God intersected you just because you're being intentional I think we just need to be curious about the day. Be curious about our relationships. God, are you doing it? Is this it? Is this the moment? You know, a lot of times this is a challenge for pastors. Pastors, they, they preach and they prepare during the week and they counsel people. But a lot of times it's hard for pastors to get out and actually be the one in the community, like actually doing stuff individually, just in my own life. I heard about a guy who, um, who's connected with John Maxwell. Most of you know John Maxwell, incredible leadership guru. And John Maxwell was in a meeting of pastors, and he said, you know, I, I actually, I have, I, have ten, I have a list of 10 people, 10 people that I know that are far from God, and I carry that list around with me, so I know I'm praying over them, and I know that if I, if I interact with them, I just need to be more intentional about what I'm doing. Isn't that beautiful? So I'm working on my list currently. I've got a couple that I'm starting with, and I, I'm going to try to build that as time goes on, but I wonder if you have a list, or maybe you just need to write somebody down right now. Hey, I'm going to start being more intentional with this person. Now, if they're sitting next to you right now, don't write it yet. Write it later. You just kind of keep that in your heart right now, okay? If we just kind of started a list, I'm going to be intentional in how I do this. And then as you're being intentional, you're starting to look and you're starting to watch. And you, and you start to find their spiritual soft spot. This is a John Maxwellism as well. You kind of find their spiritual 
spot. And I'm not talking about their emotions, and I'm not talking about manipulating them. I'm saying you find the space that they really care about. Everybody has things that they deeply care about. Oftentimes, those things are spiritual. There are things that God has deposited. It may be about his plan for their life, and they don't even know it yet, but, but he put desires in them. And you're looking for those kinds of things, and so you're just asking questions of them. A lot of times, it's connected to their marriage. A lot of times, it may be connected to their kids. If they're younger and not married, if you're single, it may be about their career. If it's a student, you may ask them about, hey, man, what do you love to do? Um, hey, how, how, how good are you at Fortnite? Like, <laughs> Whatever it may be, then to get them to look, people in some, hmm? <laughs> just asking them, what, what's important to you? You're just looking for that spiritual spot, that, that God-given stuff, that, that thing that they really deeply care about, and you just start to ask questions. You know why this is good news? Because you don't have to know the answer to how Noah got all of the animals on the ark. Like, you don't have to be versed in everything that the Bible says and be able to detail all of it out theologically and doctrinally. Those are important things, but it's not how you got to get started in all of this. You don't have to know how Noah fit everybody in. You just have to start here. Hey, how's your family? How are your kids? Hey, I'm terrible at Fortnite. How, how are you? Can you teach me? <laughs> like, you just start down the road. And you ask questions about things they deeply care about. Everybody has something that they're interested in talking about. Find out what that thing is. Not to manipulate them, everybody. That's the, we, these are not evangelistic projects for us. These are people that we love. This is just called being a good friend, is what this is. <laughs> it's being a good friend. And then when you find it, then you add some value to their life. When you find it, you find ways to add value to them and who they are. Because everybody's got needs. Rich, poor, Everybody has needs in their life, things they need or things they want. And you find the needs that people have in their life and you meet them. You work towards helping people gain value in their lives. Most of you probably studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs when you were in school. Anybody? Like, um, hey, bro, this ain't school. Just get off the education stuff. But, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs and it's kind of the five, five major needs. I think maybe actually it's been expanded to eight from when I was in school, but but regardless, that you can kind of divide this hierarchy of needs into three big categories that everybody needs. It doesn't matter who you run into across the board. Everybody needs these three big categories. And the first one would be physiological needs. Everybody needs to stay alive. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs clothes. Everybody needs a warm place. Everybody needs safety. Everybody needs a, a bed, a roof over their heads. Everybody needs that. Now listen, when you meet somebody that doesn't have one of those things, you don't immediately share Jesus with them. You go get him a bed. <laughs> you go help him find a car. You first take care of those needs before you gain the voice to speak into all the other things. I love this idea. We, before we ever get the chance to share Jesus with Kyle, we need to share some paint with Kyle. <laughs> we need to share some help with Kyle. We need to go share some breakfast with a bunch of teachers. We, we, the, the, men, the men's group of, a church, of our church, they just went out on Saturday morning, and they went and painted the, oh my gosh, the name uh, keeps escaping me. I can't say it. Central Texas Children's Home. Thank you. Dave Bauman. Dave Bauman led that charge. I don't know why I can't say that. And the guys just went out, took some guys, they went out, and they painted doors, and they fixed the place up. They just slung some paint. They took care of some needs, some basic needs that they had, and that's a beautiful thing and a great way to show Jesus to our community. 
I'm so thankful for them. And then once their physiological needs are met, then you can start looking at their love or affection needs. Everybody has the need to feel loved. Everybody that you come into contact with has a need to be praised. Everybody has a need to be appreciated. We have this aesthetic thing that we need to, to look good and to feel good. Everybody you come into contact with has it. And, and this is about relationships. And you and I can easily meet those relational needs because we have the love of God in us. And you look for those needs and you meet them. We know the amazing, reckless love of God for us, and you can share that freely. And then once you do that, now you can start looking at their fulfillment needs. Because everybody has a need for significance. Everybody has a need for significance. We search for it everywhere. We search for it in relationships. We search for it in careers. But we can't find it. No amount of money, no amount of vacation time, no amount of success in your career will ever give it to you. The only way that you can find the significance that people are looking for, only God can do this for you. Only God can do this for them. Only the one who created you and gave you the purpose can actually give you the significance that you're trying to find. And you can introduce people to him to find that significance. So when those first two needs get met, now we can start talking about fulfillment. We can start talking about significance. I like 1 Corinthians 3, 6, how Paul said it. He said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God's been making it grow. I, 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 did, I planted it, but somebody else, they watered it, and it's up to God to make sure that it succeeds. See, all you got to do is kind of find your part to play in the story. I think, though, as followers of Jesus, a lot of times we grew up with, with condemnation. We grew up with guilt. We grew up with this idea that you got to get out there and win souls, and it's all on you. All the pressure's on you. So every discussion we have, every time you sit down with a person, you know they're far from God. You just want to say, oh, i got to seal the deal. i got to seal the deal right now or they're going to hell. <laughs> but they're not. Maybe you're just going to plant a seed, and somebody else is going to water it. But at the end of the day, it's up to God to make it grow. And one of the ways that we can do this is just look for the opportunities. Pay attention to our moments. The second way that we need to be wise is just wise in our manner. Or wise in our manners. <laughs> Most of you had a mama that, that when you drove up to somebody's house to go in to have dinner, she, said, she turned around and she said, what? Now, hey, you're going to mind your manners. You're, every, time we, every time we drive up to somebody's house, we do it. We pull up, we stop in the driveway or on the street, and we look back and we say, okay, now listen. We're going in here, and you're going to mind your manners. You're going to eat the food that's put before you. You're not going to say, ew, you're not going to do that. You're not, you're not going to say, oh, no, thank you. You're, you're going to eat it. You're going to smile. You're going to say thank you. You're going to say please. You're going to be quiet. You're going to do those things. And they say, yes, daddy. And sometimes that works great, and other times it doesn't. But we always talk about it. Why? Because manners are important. <laughs> And the Bible actually has a lot to say about it. We don't spend a lot of time on that, I don't think, because we'd rather spend time firming up our doctrinal position so that I can destroy you. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we would prefer. But that's not what we need to do. We, manners have a lot to do with whether or not we are effective in following Jesus and connecting with other people. Listen to Matthew chapter 5. He says, in the message version, he says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? 
You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. And then we switch to the NIV. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that people can see the way that you act and the way that you respond to other people. They can see those good deeds and glorify your Father. Not perfect. Not perfect at everything, but kind, but respectful with manners. So how do we do that? How can we be wise in our manners? Well, I think one thing is you just, you just make things better and brighter everywhere you go. Like imagine if we all, tomorrow, we did that. There is a thing that happens every week. There is an event every week that people hate. Do you know what it is? Monday. People nationwide hate Mondays. And how do I know that? Because everybody talks about it all the time. Ugh. Hey, man, how you doing? Well, it's Monday, if that tells you anything. Okay. Good. Well, you're a real bright spot in my morning. Right? And then around here, around these parts, it's been hotter than hail for the last, I can't remember how long. So it's 104 degrees, and it's Monday. So tomorrow, people are going to be miserable. They're going to walk into work like they have for the past six Mondays and say, Ugh, this oppressive heat. I'm melting. Why did I move here? Well, you know what? Go back to California and you'll be fine. <laughs> Is an illustration of what you don't do. Because you have manners. <laughs> so what if tomorrow you walked in, you showed up and say, Hey, everybody, how's it going? Happy Monday to you. Hey, I brought some Shipley's Donuts for everybody. Exactly. And that happens in the room. You just made the place brighter and better. Like, just give out some donuts. Like, just, just get some icing on people's faces. Like, just, just be, oh, money's not so bad. Like, just, just do something in Jesus' name. Pass out some donuts in Jesus' name. Bring some flowers in Jesus' name. Like, just walk in and say, hey, how's it going, everybody? Good to see you. Just be David Compost on Monday morning. Just bring it down a little. Just bring it down a little. Just in Jesus' name, make it brighter and better. That's not how we think. We give in. We do the same thing. Ugh, it's Monday. We're followers of Jesus. We have the best story in the world. He's transformed and changed us. He set us free. He's done all of that. We should not be walking in and saying, I hate Monday. No, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. People say, what's wrong with you? You're so annoying. Oh, well, we'll get to that later, man, but I just, I just want this to be a good day for you. We don't think like that. We just give in to the culture around us. We show up to things negative and mad. You show up to church mad. <laughs> Better be a good service today. <laughs> that coffee was lukewarm. I am not having. <laughs> man, just make things better and brighter in Jesus' name. You forget the real reason that you're in that office space. It's not to make money. It's to share Jesus with people. That's why you're there. And you don't have to know all the answers to the Bible. You don't have to say, well, let me explain to you what the four horsemen of the apocalypse really means. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Take the pressure off of you. You don't have to have that. It's fine. Just go make things better and brighter in Jesus' name. We've got to fly. And as you're doing that, I think this is really important. Uh, You've got to understand their world. In fact, write that note down and, and, and actually just circle the word there. 
Understand their world. See, most Christians, they want people to understand our world. I'm going to walk into my office tomorrow. I'm going to say, hey, you need to understand how this really goes. And you are not living according to the Bible, and so you need to change. Like, that's how we start. Yeah, we want to get there, but you don't have to start there. You need to understand their world. America has turned into such a toxic culture. It's just disgusting out there. If you disagree with me, then I hate your guts. Like, that's essentially what we've come to currently. So we need some Jesus followers to just say, hey, tell me more about you. Tell me more what it's like to be you. I didn't grow up the way you did. I don't even understand it. So, hey, let's sit down. And why don't you just tell me more about you? Oh, well, I'd, I'd done this, and I did this, and then I did it. Oh, you're going to hell! No. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. Tell me more. I, re- like, I really want to understand. I really want to be a friend to you. I really want to understand your world and where you're coming from. My kids... I may have told you this before, but when my kids were young, we would, you know, we're teaching them the best we can. Hey, make sure that you don't, we don't want you to smoke. We don't smoke. That's bad for your lungs. It's bad. It'll, it'll hurt you. It'll kill you, all those things. And so we, if you're a smoker, that's great. Let's, uh, let's kind of work through it, everybody. Um, I, I like the person who said, smoking won't send you to hell. It'll just send you to heaven faster. And I believe that. And so, 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 let's, <laughs> so let's work through that together. No condemnation. We just want to help. But my kids would see people that were smoking then, and we'd be in the grocery store, they'd Dad, it's a smoker! Like, like, shh, quiet! Oh my gosh, be quiet! You can't do, you can't do that. That's not okay. Listen, there are plenty of things that you can say to people, and they're true. They're just not helpful. You just don't have to do it immediately. And Christians, I don't know if you know this or not, but they can be mean. They can be some of the meanest people. That's why in some churches I've been to, we didn't say they had deacons. They had demons in that church. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Understand their world. And as you're doing that, show them some unconditional love. Like just, just, it's unconditional, man. It's It's the way Jesus loved me. What does that word mean? If you go back and you study that word, this, this word unconditional, it means without condition. I worked on that a long time. Without condition. It's the way that Jesus treated Zacchaeus. And you know the story. Come on, you folks. You grew up in the Baptist church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Wow. (laughs) Saul. Let's put that in the set next service. Um, We got to end. So so that's the way Jesus treated Zacchaeus. He he was walking by and he said, hey, Zacchaeus. Hey, Zacchaeus. Guy's up in a tree. Hey, little dude. Um, Hey, you want to go to lunch with me? Not, hey, you're going to hell. You know what, you, you're a cheater, and I know what you did. He said, you want to go to lunch with me? Yeah, okay. He came down, they went to lunch. Hey, let's go to P. Terry's. Oh, that sounds good. Not Torchy's, though, because, you know. <laughs> let's, let's, go to, let's go to P. Terry's, and let's, let's get a burger. And they sat and had lunch. And we don't know what happened at that lunch, but at that lunch, everything changed. <laughs> at that lunch, when he was just showing him love, not condemning him, showing him love, that the truth matters, but he was showing him love first. And at that lunch, everything changed. He came out of lunch, wiped his mouth with a napkin, and said, hey, I'm going to give everything back. And if I cheated anybody, I'm paying you back four times. And I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. That's what Jesus does in people's lives. It's because he sat down. He had lunch with him. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Guys, you're getting moments in your days. Have manners when they come. 
Sometimes they matter more than you think, and sometimes they matter more than your doctrinal position today. And then finally, we want to be wise in our message. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, Again, I say to you, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. <laughs> Again, he said it already. Again, I'm saying, don't get involved. He didn't, say, uh, he didn't say, hey, you know what, you guys? Think about not participating in. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel on hate book, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. I wish that Jesus followers would put this at the top of their Facebook page and just put it up there for all to see. So if you want to do this, okay, great, Brent, what should I say? 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The first thing that you do is settle the issue, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Always be prepared to give an answer. That word answer is actually a defense. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. If you come back next week, we're going to talk about what should I actually say. We're setting up kind of the heart here today, but I'm going to talk to you about what you should actually say. How do you give a defense? Not explaining the priestly order of Melchizedek to people, but giving an answer. So the final couple things here. We want to be able to share the hope that we have. <laughs> just share the hope. I'm not saying anything about what you've got to do right now. I just want to tell you why I follow Jesus. I just want to tell you the difference that he made in my life. My parents went through a pretty nasty divorce when I was eight years old, and I followed Jesus, and I stayed true, and I gave my life over to him, and he made all the difference and gave me confidence and safety and security and helped me pass through that time so that I'm not as messed up as I should be. I'm only partially messed up today, and he's working on me. I'm going to share the hope that I have. I want to share my church. You know what? I, you know, Saul, come on, man. Let's, let's, let's get going. I, I, never wanted, I never wanted to pastor a church just for church people. Well, I'm thankful for all you guys that love and serve Jesus, but I, but I was just praying last night, God, I, I don't I want to have a room full of church people tomorrow. <laughs> I, want, I want to have people who are far from you. And I want them to come here and feel like they can belong and, and sense the love that people have and that you have for them. I, got, I, I, I want to lead that kind of a church. And I want to help you. So I, I share my church with people. I say, hey, I, I mean, man, I... I don't got all the answers, but I go to this place, and they do, we do cool stuff. Like we, we, we feed awesome teachers that we love, and we, we paint hospital uh, health care places, and we, we do really cool stuff in our city. Just come hang out with me. I got to warn you about the pastor. He's a bit of a spaz, but, you know, just, just come and hang out. <laughs> that was uncalled for. <laughs> Here's the issue. Here's the issue. People come in here and, and, they, and they, they, they see a moment. Uh, they see your life and they see you here and they, they, they have this moment where they experience kind of what we experience today, wind in your sails. We talk about the freedom that only Jesus gives. We talk about the fact that, that we can be free from guilt and sin and shame. We talk about how we've been messed up in the past, but now we're changed and transformed. Why? Because of Jesus because he died on a cross and he gave his life for us 
And, and through that, he allowed us to have a relationship with God. And through that relationship, I get healed and I get freedom and I get salvation and I get redemption. I get all these cool things. And I used to have guilt and shame in my life, but I don't have it anymore. I decided I'm not going to pay it. You know, hell is not the place where God sends people that he disagrees with or he doesn't like. Hell is the place where people go who say, I just want to take care of all this myself. I want to pay my own bill. Everybody, that bill's already been paid. It's done. You, you, you don't have to suffer the guilt and the shame. You don't have to pay it. And they come here, and they hear that story, and they hear it when they're sitting next to you. And then you go to lunch somewhere, and you start to talk about it. And you use manners, and you tip real good. Hmm. What are we talking about? We just share Jesus. We want to share Jesus. We're not trying to build an organization. We're not trying to grow a church. We're not, we're not trying to do any of that. We, we, we're happy when people come and they experience Jesus and they give their lives over to him. That's all we want to see. We want to share Jesus with people. You want to do that? Now, I only gave you an appetizer on those last three things. Next week, I'm going to break all those down. We're going to talk about kind of what you should say as you go through all of that. So come hang out with us next week. But for now, close your eyes. And as we wrap this up, man, I just... I want us to leave today without pausing and thinking about this. Your sins can be forgiven. Jesus gave his life for you. The wages of sin is death. What you earn for sin and missing what God had for you for rebellion and arrogance, what you earn for that is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And today that can be you. Are you carrying shame today? Do you have shame in your heart and life for things that you've experienced or things that you've done? You don't have to pay that bill. You can let it go. Somebody paid it. Do you have guilt and condemnation in your life today? You don't have to carry that. Somebody paid the price. Jesus paid the price for all of your guilt. And his blood and his sacrifice can wash all your guilt away. That's amazing. Some of you, maybe you just need to make that decision for the first time today. Some of you, maybe you followed Jesus for a long time, but you, you need to make a decision. You need to come back today and let your guilt and shame be paid for. I would hate for you to pay for something that's already been paid. So cross the room today with your eyes closed, with your heads bowed. Would you just respond to that with courage and just, just slip up a hand and just let God know, God, I, 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 need, I need forgiveness today. I need, thank you for that. Who else? Come on, who wants to join us? Awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. Who else? Just slip your hand up. Just put it up and put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Just put it up, put it down. Just make a decision. I, I, I want to pay. I don't want guilt. I want shame. If it's true that it's been paid for, I want to get rid of it today. Anybody else want to join us in this prayer? Just lift your hand up and put it down. It's beautiful. Thank you. So everybody all over the room, let's just pray this. And I just want you to pray it in your words. And if you raise your hand, just pray it in your way. We're going to, re we're going to repent. We're going to turn away from the way that we've been living. And we're going to turn our lives toward Jesus. So God, we love you. And Father, I thank you for forgiveness. And today I want it for me. I believe that you died on the cross, Jesus. I believe that you shed your blood. I believe that you died and were placed in a tomb, but you rose again three days later and you defeated sin and you defeated, you defeated hell and you defeated death. 
and you made a way so that I can be clean and set free, no more guilt and no more shame. So I choose that life today. And I'm asking you, would you come into my life? Would you be my Lord and Savior? Would you sit on the throne of my heart? Would you take control? And would you teach me what it means to follow you? Relieve my guilt. Wash away my shame. Make me brand new. I turn away from my old life, and I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, amen. Oh, that's so good, everybody. I'm so excited about that. Listen. If you prayed that prayer today, I just want you to take out that connection card. Please take it out because it's one thing to say a prayer, but now you're starting a journey and we would love to help you. We'll just send you an email later in the week and help you with next steps. So take out the connection card, make a mark, say, hey, I made a decision for Jesus today and um, we'd love to help you. We'll connect you Monday or Tuesday, all right? Um, Man, I'm so thankful. Everybody, why don't you stand with us? One Chapel Kyle. We have a bright future ahead of us. We got some stuff that Jesus is calling us to do. So as we go out into the world today, would you go with wisdom? Would you be intentional? Would you have some manners? (laughs) Just work on it a little bit. Remember what your grandma said. And live a life that's attractive to people. People say, I want some of what you got. Let's do that today. So Father, all over this room, we pray that you would help us. Help One Chapel Kyle to be a place that searches after the one. Help us to be a place that runs hard after individuals. Help us to be a place that has wisdom for fishing. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for what you will do. Now give every one of these people grace as they go into their week. We bless you in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.